MSW Media. News with swearing. Daily beans, daily beans. Daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Friday, March 6, 2020. Today, Elizabeth Warren ends her presidential bid. Congress passes the coronavirus funding bill. Chief Justice John Roberts rebukes remarks from Senator Schumer. A federal court rejects a lawsuit filed against Google by Tulsi Gabbard. Some Mueller memos. Mm. And Judge Reggie Walton has something to say about Bill Barr specifically. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to want to miss it. I'm your host, AG, and with me today are Jordan Coburn. Hello. And Amanda Reeder. Hello. How are you? Good. Good? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Today's my sad day. Uh-oh. Yeah. Because yeah. of Warren. Yep. Yeah. It is sad. Sorry. It's okay. And you know what? I think that I was so for Bernie in 2016. And I think because I can't actually vote, I maybe didn't look as deeply into some of the policy stuff as maybe someone who could vote would do. Um, I support Bernie, you know, um, and, and his movement. And he was my preferred candidate. But in the aftermath of her campaign going down, I was reading some of the reasons people supported her in the first place. And I was like, pretty emotional you know, about what she's accomplished and, and who she is. And so it, it is really sad. And I think that she would have been an amazing president. Yeah. Yeah. I've always said that she's been a mm-hmm. super close second for me yeah. in terms of who I learned I even think. more about her. And I, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, she's amazing. And I do agree that misogyny is absolutely a factor in her not having the race that she should have had. Yep. Yeah. And she has some words or not about that in a press conference she gave today. And we'll have some clips from that. Mm. Um, and when we start, um, the A block, because uh, we're going to talk about politics in 2020 up front. So why don't we just dive into that and hit the hot notes? Hot notes. So, yeah, on the West Coast, I woke up this morning to the news that my candidate, Elizabeth Warren, had, well, our our candidate, Elizabeth Warren, had dropped out of the 2020 Democratic presidential race. She has not endorsed anyone as of this recording and uh, asked in a touching press conference uh, to not only give give she she said to pl- just give us some breathing room, but she also asked um, for Biden and Bernie supporters to give Warren supporters some breathing room to deliberate and and take this time to be proud of what she accomplished and what we've accomplished as as a group of Warren supporters. So I thought that was very I felt very protected. It was it was a very emotional press conference, and she had a lot to say today, including her thoughts on the limited number of lanes existing in the Democratic Party. So let's take a listen to that clip. You know, I was told at the beginning of this whole undertaking that there are two lanes, a progressive lane that Bernie Sanders is the incumbent for and a moderate lane that Joe Biden is the incumbent for, and there's no room for anyone else in this. I thought that wasn't right. But evidently, I was wrong. So that's, you know, that's an interesting, you know, her evidently I was wrong. Um, it, it seems like she was trying to carve her own path there mm-hmm. um, somewhere and make her own lane, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, in the middle with, you know, progressive and moderate ideas trying yeah. to do this unity party. Similarly to, I think, to Klobuchar and Buttigieg as well, just on the more centrist end yeah they were a little more on the moderate side but uh uh, but something but another option other than joe Joe biden basically yeah or moderate she didn't name names um necessarily it was just moderate or she did name names when talked talking about progressive with bernie sanders she might have mentioned biden but yeah she she was looking for something in between that and and she said evidently it's not there um and that she was wrong and i don't know that she's i don't know i don't know how to feel about that it's just it it makes me sad um, I think why that's probably extra sad to hear her say is the argument against her has been her being a non-viable candidate. That's what people are saying. I'm not saying that that was the case, but that's what people were saying. By her saying this and confirming that, it is, it's it's a bummer. It's like a very defeatist and sad tone to hear. You know, you can tell she's down a lot over that because viability is what she's talking about with those two lanes, essentially. Yeah, and she actually um, talks a little bit about that, too. When she was asked what message she has for her supporters now that they have to pick between two men. And here's what she had to say. 
And I wonder what your message would be to the women and girls who feel like we're left with two white men to decide between. I know. One of the hardest parts of this is all those picky promises and all those little girls who are going to have to wait four more years. Um, that's going to be hard. So she just started to get choked up right there talking about all the little girls, you know, that are going to have to wait four more years to see a woman be president because those pinky swears that she made was when she would get down on one knee and and make a promise to a little girl. This is, you know, I'm running for president because that's what girls do. And so I think that that, that's probably um, got a lot to do with how she feels about having to end her candidacy. And then finally, she was asked what it was like to see herself on the ballot to vote for herself and whether her gender played a role in the outcome of the race. And this one really got to me. Let's listen to this. So um, it was uh, uh, I stood at that voting booth and I looked down and I saw my name on the ballot and I thought, wow, kiddo, you're not in Oklahoma anymore. <laughs> uh, that it really was a moment of thinking about how my mother and dad, if they were still here, would feel about this. Um, I had gotten a long email from my nephew and uh, how proud his dad, my brother, is and how they were all had their plans to vote and had met other people. And it is, it's these long ties. Um, for that moment standing in the booth, I miss my mom and my daddy. Um, Gender in this race, you know, that is the trap question for every woman. Uh, if you say, yeah, there was sexism in this race, everyone says, whiner. And if you say, no, there was no sexism, about a bazillion women think, what planet do you live on? Um, I promise you this, I'll have a lot more to say on that subject later on. So I think that was interesting with her. She, you know, she's not going to talk about uh, the role gender played in the race, but that she has, she will have a lot more to say on it later on. I'm very interested Mm -hmm. in what that is and how it will present itself and when. Totally. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I feel like um, it's, it's, it's such a, it's, it's a hard conversation because I feel like for, if I could have voted, I would have voted for Bernie. And that's not because Elizabeth Warren is a woman, but at the same time, I do think there are people whose whose part of the part of their factoring was her gender. Mm-hmm. So it's like both things can exist. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? There, yeah. there, you were a Bernie voter before you even knew who was going to run against him. I think not. Not necessarily. I feel like I feel like if I like I, I'm in, I'm admitting to the fact that I learned a little bit more about Elizabeth Warren's policies today, but I still would have voted for Bernie. I think if I had the ability to vote. But um, but I think both things can coexist, right? I think that that there's a lot of people who are saying no, Elizabeth Warren is didn't get the nomination or didn't do as well because of her stuff on policy. But gender is absolutely a factor, and mm-hmm. I think it's it's really hard sometimes because I've seen people who are saying she only didn't do well because of her gender, which is not the case. But it but it is also a factor. So it's like such a fine line to walk in terms of like how to have this conversation. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think, and I want to keep this like pretty much 100% positive because yeah. she's incredible. Yeah, she is. Um, but just talking about reality in terms of how long Bernie has been, you know, the spokesperson almost for this radically progressive movement within the Democratic Party, having been a registered independent for most of his career in Congress. I think the fact that that was his life all the way up until this point just means he inherently has a, a sort of bigger base that's ready to mobilize over Warren. And I think that that's just a fact. And so, yeah, I agree. But I, I also because he was he's been in the public eye for longer. Than totally. That. Mm-hmm. All that. Yeah. yeah all that. Because Warren's yeah. been doing it for as long, too. It's just public eye kind of stuff. Well, His 2016 well, Warren, run was a huge factor for this. Warren has not been championing democratic socialism like Bernie has for the same amount of time. Well, not for if you if you consider like three decades. Right. 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 But just I'm saying in terms of I think. But when, most when, Bernie supporters haven't been alive that long. So. I, I also think that the fact that, and again, I think that because of the fact that she didn't run the last time, she didn't have, you know, um, I think a lot of Bernie supporters 
were supporters in the last election and then brought on more supporters. And so her not having the ground game and her not having the like the momentum of people being pissed about four years ago. No, I totally 100% understand. Yeah, yeah, but I do yeah. have to say, I've been watching her for 12 years. Yeah. Talking about breaking up the big banks, going yeah. after financial institutions. Totally. And doing those things mm-hmm. and then running for Senate. Uh, back when she was on The Daily Show a little over a decade ago, mm-hmm. trying to get her ideas across running for Senate to to Jon Stewart. Yeah, yeah her, she's incredible. The, I'm yeah, not trying is. to say that the she's The videos like, of her in the mid-2000s are excellent. Yeah, yeah, totally. In mm-hmm. no way am I trying to take away from her history. No. that's That's been super powerful and impressive. And the sexism online has been real. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, I just think um, if the point of having, you know, that second lane is for just strictly progressive revolutionary ideology. I think Bernie as a candidate in general embodied, at least in the zeitgeist, people when they think about democratic socialism, the first person they think of, regardless of if that's who they even want for president, is probably going to be Bernie before it would be Warren. Sure, but I don't think Warren's second lane was a a fully progressive lane. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there are, and to talk about the sexism issue, there are some dudes who don't like women who are wonky. Who who talk about yep. policy and plan and, mm-hmm. and things like that all the time? Absolutely, and that is a sexist thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I mean, it's it's never ever going to be it's a hundred percent this reason and a hundred percent not this mm-hmm. reason. Yeah, Sexism definitely plays a role. Yeah, one thousand percent. Yeah, and yes, absolutely. when people say who is the democratic socialist that you know best, yeah, they're going to likely say Bernie Sanders. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I think the same thing happened. But at I don't Kamala. think she identifies as that. So. Yeah. No, no, no. She said before, I'm a capitalist through and through. But mm-hmm. she's just, she. the difference between them. It's also, it's a messaging thing, right? I mean, they both believe in radical overhaul, but Bernie believes in embracing the label of democratic socialism. And she believed in the idea of reforming capitalism, mm-hmm. um, both with very similar goals. Very, very <laughs> similar goals. Yeah. They're really, I can't. Yeah. But neither of them want to get rid of capitalism. No, mm-hmm. no. Exactly. Totally. No, Bernie doesn't want to get rid of capitalism either. Yeah, but one person, I mean, <laughs> people think he does. But when he those <laughs> kinds of shots were fired on the debate stage, though, Bernie was the one that was, you know, getting all that fire. Whereas Warren, even though they have a lot of similar policy positions, kind of got to like fade into the background. I think when those attacks were coming out, because of the fact that Bernie is constantly, you know, he's the socialist. Well, not like only the that, democratic socialist, and not only that, but he was in the lead. Right. So you have a bigger target mm-hmm. on your back when you're in the lead. Of course. I, I do think it is a shame. I was seeing a bunch of people say that it's a, it's a huge shame that she single-handedly took out Michael Bloomberg and the thanks she got was people coalescing behind Biden. You know, <laughs> I was seeing, you know, it's a it, she did this powerful thing for all of us by, I mean, it was her. I mean, she was responsible for getting Michael Bloomberg out of the race. Let's be real. I yeah, mean, she she is responsible for tearing him down so he couldn't get enough votes on Super Tuesday to make yeah, him drop out exactly. of the race. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But still, yeah. she delivered the blow. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was that was entirely Elizabeth Warren. And then, you know, I'm shocked that she didn't fare better for that reason because she is an amazing debater. Yeah. And I felt very similar feelings about Kamala and how her mm-hmm. race went, too. It's It almost feels like a repeat, even though the candidates themselves are incredibly different. But just in terms of a woman who is badass as fuck, and mm-hmm. every time she's in front of a camera and any time she says anything, mm-hmm. it's always so on point and like uplifting and just powerful Mm -hmm. every time she talks it's like that every time kamala talks it's like that they do incredible on the debate stage yeah there's no reason kamala should have dropped out that early like Mm -hmm. should have had to have dropped out that early and the fact that warren now has to drop out like this and hasn't been doing better also i think is bullshit again bernie is my person warren super super close second super close so similar for me awesome i think that honestly like if there had only been one progressive running it would be a different story. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, what are your feelings on that, AG? I think they're, well, you know what I think. <laughs> <laughs> At least semi-candidly. <laughs> um, there is new national polling out today, though, for March 4th and 5th, showing 55% of Dems are supporting Biden and 45 support Sanders. Mm. Um, it's an Ipsos poll. And like I said, Warren is not endorsed either, but it's incredible to think how much power she now holds. Mm -hmm. An endorsement for Sanders, I think, would be critical for his campaign. I think he needs it. Mm -hmm. She endorsed uh, Hillary in the last election. She endorsed in June, early June, first week of June 2016, about a month and a half before the convention. Um, But at that point, I believe HRC had enough delegates with the superdelegates. So that might have been a mathematical calculation. 
Uh, she's very pragmatic, Elizabeth Warren. Mm -hmm. So we'll see what happens. My personal thoughts on this is that she would be able to, if she wanted a role mm -hmm. in, in, an, in an administration, she would be more easily able to pull Biden to do what she wants than to pull Sanders back from his platform. I don't know. To do what she wants. I don't know. People think it that also he's depends on what she wants to do. So mm -hmm. inflexible. But I don't know if he would be. Well, I don't mean inflexible. I mean, mm -hmm. he's got some core fucking beliefs that aren't going to go away. Yeah. He can, she can't come in and say, how about we don't do Medicare for all and abolish private insurance? Let's do it this way. You know, th that would be, I think, people who voted for him would be like, what? You're not going to do Medicare for all and abolish private insurance now? Unless he, like, had a plan to do it, like, setting out. And, yeah. and we can sit here and talk. I mean, mm -hmm. honestly, we can sit here and argue yeah, about this totally. forever. Mm -hmm. But I feel like she could bring Mm -hmm. Biden her way more easily. Let's just say that. On healthcare maybe, but what about on financial stuff that she's been talking about for the last two decades? Absolutely. You think so? I, in fact, I, I put, put all my beans on her talking to Joe Biden because she's mm -hmm. talked to both mm -hmm. and saying, look, I'll come out for you mm -hmm. if you put me in charge of this. You put me secretary of the treasury and allow me to break up the big banks. Mm -hmm. Allow me to take on Wall Street. Mm -hmm. And then Biden's going to have to think long and hard about that, right? So, yeah, I mean, I, I just don't think that's, that's something Joe Biden would go for. Yeah, but I think it's something that most Democrats would go for. I don't yeah. I, I can't think of one like moderate mm -hmm. Democrat that would be like, mm, I'm not into fighting, standing up for to Wall Street. You know, mm -hmm. he might have to do it on his own. And, and I don't know if he's doing it now or not, mm -hmm. because we can't see where his PAC money is coming from. Yeah. But um you know, there's, she holds a lot of power, though. She holds the power right mm -hmm. now. I feel like, yeah. and she may not. She just may not. She may. Mm -hmm. Y'all can fight over me, and uh, or it, and uh, and then I'll endorse when I know that there's a mathematical certainty that somebody will will be it, and that way she won't get yelled at. But she, but as we talked to about in the yesterday, she'll get yelled at for not. I have a relevant a thing that I was going to share later, but I want to share now just while we're talking about it. This yeah, was a. Sure. This was a, a good news story from one of our listeners oh, yay, um, from these. Sean McCown. He said, good news. Elizabeth Warren just invented the Elizabeth Warren state primary, saying she will wait to hear from both campaigns about their willingness to adopt a few of her key policy platforms in exchange for her endorsement. Ooh. Surrogacy, an army of grassroots supporter and 60 plus delegates. So whether you want her to be Bernie's, Bernie's VP or rather she would be Biden's, either way, it's good news. Wow. Signed, your other libertarian listener. <laughs> <laughs> the other. So, That's really cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I was right. Yep. Yeah. Oh, right. So it's, it's or, or are we both sort of po yeah, positing is, the same? Yeah, thing. I don't think that this is like I don't news. have a right, I don't have a news source, but I think that this, he's just saying that it, this is what he feels. Um. So yeah, it'll be really interesting to see, and I, I have a great deal of respect for her. I think she's rad, and um, I have been, I have, for me, my support of Bernie was really about the movement that he had behind him. I would be happy if either one of them was president. They would both be fucking amazing presidents. But a lot of my support for Bernie was because of the movement of people behind him and the fact that he had a stronger ground game and for me somewhat better messaging um and a few little tiny policy issues but she's fucking amazing and it's good i think that if she does endorse like if she endorsed biden i think that's it for bernie but if she endorsed bernie it could be like the one thing that could maybe bring his campaign yeah back. can you imagine how crazy that would be if every single candidate that dropped out went behind biden yeah <laughs> no bernie one went be behind bernie toast Oh gosh. Yeah. yeah, and it's and and Jordan you and I were talking about this too. If she is going to endorse Bernie, it would behoove Bernie mm -hmm. for her to do it sooner rather than later because yep. he's mm -hmm. got a tough slate of states coming up. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh maybe two or three out of the next mm -hmm. 10 states. Yes. So mm -hmm. yeah, and especially seeing how many people change their minds day of or within the last few days before Super Tuesday mm -hmm. because of mm -hmm. the Biden endorsements. Mm -hmm. You have to assume that same or similar momentum would come from her endorsing Bernie. Yeah. So I would I would say, and of course, please don't think we're not giving everyone mm -hmm. breathing room to figure out who they're endorsing, but mm -hmm. um, watch out in the mm -hmm. next two or three uh, weeks um, when when you know when we go through the next primaries and the debates, if she's not endorsing anybody yet, that might be a sign. I also, it's funny. I know yesterday's show, I said I, I really wish that she would endorse Bernie, and obviously, in my heart of hearts, I still do. But having thought about it a little more, and we were talking about this earlier, Jordan, I can understand why she would endorse Biden simply, like you said, to get a position in his cabinet. But, um, but also because if she feels like that's the strongest way to beat Trump, 
You know, she I mean, she might more closely align with Bernie in a lot of policy stuff. But if she feels as though her internal data, her advisors are think, are letting her know this is the best chance to beat Trump. And also this is the best camp. This is the campaign that's going to win the nomination. And you want in. And she wants to unite the party. So she'll Mm -hmm. take that into consideration. She's very pragmatic and practical. Mm -hmm. She wants to get things done. Mm -hmm. She'll take that into account. And then again, just like you said, Mm -hmm. it's she needs to. uh, What has the most impact? What's going to have the most impact for for us Mm -hmm. and then how she can make the most impact or have the biggest impact on but the betterment of the country. Yeah. Those are just going to be the things. And it's funny to see people like, I can't believe this wheeling and dealing goes on in fucking Washington. I'm like, if somebody came up to you and asked for your endorsement, you're going to want to know what's in it for you, especially if it helps other people. It's not weird. Haven't they seen House of Cards, bitch? This is how it goes. <laughs> She's not throwing anybody in front of a fucking Metro bus. Right. So, like, calm down. <laughs> I personally understand their vibes on that. Yeah. 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 That you don't like seeing this negotiation out in the open? Nobody likes knowing that there is anything going on other than just clean, straightforward, easy to understand, in front of your face, transparent politics. It's never going to happen. (laughs) Of course. It can't. Like, I mean, you know. Yeah, no, I'm not saying that that shit shouldn't. Yeah, I'm not even trying to make a statement. As long as they're not buying it with money, I'm totally. Like, as long as it's not... Yeah. Like what Trump does where he's like, I'll put $180,000 into your campaign coffers if you vote for me in the right, impeachment right, right. hearing. Yeah. That's a little different from if I can get a job anywhere in your cabinet helping take on the big banks, I'll yeah. think about it. It is just hard to believe that power and money don't reside in the same place, basically. At least it's for for uh, yeah, for good, good reasons. All totally. reasons. Yeah. Totally. That's probably what makes the main difference. Right? Totally. Yeah. I don't even I mean, I don't have an issue. That makes sense. Yeah. Say 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 support me and I'll give you this position that you're qualified and we would be good at. That sounds totally fine with me. But on principle, I could see people just being like, "Eh, it would be nice if that wasn't how it was. Yeah. Or at least behind closed doors or if we knew what went on Mm -hmm. for some somehow. Um, And speaking of Sanders, he's canceled his rally in Mississippi. He's shifting his focus on Michigan, uh, suggesting his campaign is Seeding another southern state to Biden. because Yeah, he's like, fuck the South. I don't have any chance here. Yeah, he's going all in on the Midwest. That's according to the New York Times. The rally was planned for Friday. He just left the rally in Phoenix. Um, and he wants to concentrate on the critical Midwest, where he likely um, perceives Joe might have a bit more of a weakness than he does um, than down South. I mean, so... It, I th- did, didn't Michigan's governor just endorse him or yes. something? Or a former governor? Or she is did. it the current? The okay. current. okay, cool. Yeah, she just did. Mm-hmm. But... Um, yeah, I think Bernie sees that he would have more of an impact uh, in Michigan. Yeah, if th- he had like a landslide the there or mm-hmm. something. Yeah, so mm-hmm. he is not going to Mississippi. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think that in the upcoming debate and for the rest of the Democratic nomination, the stuff that Bernie is going to hammer Biden on, especially in the Midwest, is going to be the thing that Trump is also going to hammer Biden on. Which is? Economic stuff, like mm-hmm. like trade deals and worker stuff in mm-hmm. the Midwest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? <sighs> Fortunately, well, if you're a Biden fan... Um, he has a really strong history with unions, so we'll see. He does have a very strong union history, but he doesn't yeah. have a very strong uh, Mixed, history right? with debating well. So we'll see what yeah. happens. Well, then, I thought he was pulling unions, a Howard yes, Dean the but, other night, but the trade deal Minnesota, stuff, right? Missouri <laughs> was it? <laughs> I swear to God, I saw like I had a Howard Dean fucking flashback. I was like, "Don't do it, Joe." So <laughs> correct funny. me if I'm wrong. Um, I mean, I, I I don't know a lot about his union um, history, although I'm, I have gotten, oh, my God, so many amazing tweets about Joe Biden from yesterday's show. People tweeted at me great things about him, and I've been learning a lot. Um, but uh, trade deals like TPP, NAFTA, he was for, right? Uh, I think he voted for NAFTA. Yeah. that I think that's the, that's, 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 that's the hard part is that um, the same, Bernie and Trump are going to go after him for the same reasons. Yeah, but then you're going to have to actually prove that the reason we lost jobs in manufacturing is because of those deals and not because of automation. And and there's yeah. real there's real the good debate to be had mm-hmm. there, and I hope they have it. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm good. Andrew Andrew Yang brought automation to the forefront of people's minds. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm really Definitely. proud of him for that. Yeah, I just saw a cargo by the other day that was like Yang for president, and it had all this puffy paint all around it, and it was like, Fuck a, yeah. yeah, it was really cool. It's like a total hippie car. It was <laughs> very entertaining. Um, Apparently, Andrew Yang might run for mayor of New York. Mm-hmm, I saw that. Yeah, right. Yeah. I heard Bill De Blasio talking about it. Yeah, I will just say on workers' rights, I think Biden has been a champion of unions, as you've said, and he's done Good. a lot of policy stuff that's been incredible. Mm-hmm. 
Bernie has going for him a lot of grassroots work when it comes to that and addressing, I think, the more political theory and the philosophical socio, you know, economic undertones of why the division of labor exists the way that it does. Mm-hmm. Why labor ride, you know, workers are getting so fucked over so constantly mm-hmm. and in his policies that he advocates that may not be specifically only designed, you know, to implicate unions. They're things that are supposed to address the base issues that create that inequality. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, he's but I guess Biden's from Scranton. <laughs> Scranton scrapper. He's from Pennsylvania. He's grown up in steel towns mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. done all that. But here's here's what the unions fucking care about. They mm-hmm. care about the Senate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what they fucking care about right yeah. now. They start SEIU started that hundred and fifty million dollar mm-hmm. fund to to flip the Senate mm-hmm. because they know nothing it doesn't fucking matter who's president if if the if Mitch McConnell's there and, yep. and we don't flip the Senate. So that's what the union is is mostly mm-hmm. looking at is is labor laws are are penned and signed and created by the Congress. Mm-hmm. Um not signed, uh, penned and created by the Congress. They're they're only signed by the president. Mm-hmm. So Getting, uh, you know, we I don't think we can mathematically get a veto-proof majority through there. But uh, you know, if we go after the filibuster, etc. Anyway, I think I think that that's where right now unions are focused. So it 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 will be an interesting debate just to see them up there. Also, the two either, of them. Either way, we have two good candidates for workers' rights. Yeah, that's very good. And also, mm-hmm. hopefully, people won't believe Trump this time when he pretends to give a shit about workers. Seriously. <laughs> Yeah, that's yes. the other factor. Is, yeah. is in 2016 we didn't have three years of this. No, in 2016 he could pretend to be for a lot of shit, but now we know for real. <laughs> and speaking of the debate stage, uh, with her single delegate Tulsi Gabbard, uh, that she she won in American Samoa, finishing second to Bloomberg. Um, under current debate rules, she would qualify for the next debate, but the DNC is looking to change those debate rules ahead of the March 15th debate in Phoenix, which would probably disqualify her. Um, and they're and they're basically saying we're not changing the rules to get rid of you. We're changing the rules because now it's March. We we're done with Super Tuesday, and we're going to up the amount of delegates that you need to be in the debate. Mm. So last debate, if you had one, you were in automatically. This debate after mm-hmm. thirteen hundred and thirty four, we're up. If you you have to have twenty, you know, <laughs> like mm-hmm. the something bar is low. <laughs> right. So they're raising the bar. I wish they would have raised the bar before. Mm-hmm. Yes, she earned that delegate. Um, because that just makes them look like the good old DNC. You know, yes. like stop it exactly why can't they just list out all the changes they're going to make as the race goes on they know when these major races happen they know when super tuesday is they know when you're going to have more they probably delegates. didn't Y'all. think she was going to get a delegate actually they should have known she would get a delegate in american samoa she should have gotten more in american samoa yeah i totally agree with you too jordan like put that shit up front and make it transparent but frankly i have no problem with them changing a rule to keep her off the stage she has no reason to be there I know that doesn't sound fair, but she doesn't. She has one fucking delegate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bloomberg didn't have a reason to be up there either. I haven't looked in any of Tulsi Gabbard's statements or any of her like social media or any of her, you know, emails or anything. Has wise. She... You shouldn't. No, I know, but I'm curious. Yeah, I don't even but, see it. It doesn't even come across my eyeballs. I'm curious. I should. I'm curious as to her reasoning for staying in. I mean, I'm going to go research this now. I'm curious. I haven't mm-hmm. found. Why is I've it? looked. I haven't found a reason that she's that she's staying in. I haven't seen hardly any news media reports on her either. Everyone's just leaving around. It's like a two man race where the last woman is out. We're down to a two man race. Mm-hmm. And Tulsi's probably at home going, God damn it, motherfuckers. Yeah, yeah. I wonder. <laughs> but I mean, you know, I'm not trying to be a dick or anything. But Cecily Richards impression. Is it Cecily Richards? Yeah. On SNL? Yeah. Her impression of Cecily Tyson. Cicely Cicely Strong. Strong. Sorry, not Richards. Tyson? That's Who's someone else. Cicely Tyson. That's some, that's, that's a, a cool name, though. That's a lot. Sounds a, like it's from the Roman times. <laughs> that's a Gen X actor. That's who that is. <laughs> Fuck yeah. I remembered Cicely Tyson. <laughs> yeah, her impression of her is really funny. Yeah. SNL lady. I yeah. what, I, I'm trying to remember it. Um, it, it was during one of the, um, the spoofs of one of the debates. The cold open this week was really good. Yeah, was it? Yes. It was very funny. I haven't seen it yet. I haven't been watching. Yeah, I haven't been either. They have Larry David doing Bernie. Um, now they have who did Joe Biden? They had another person do Joe Biden. Woody Harrelson. Does it, oh, oh, John Mulaney. John Mulaney oh, did Joe Mulaney. Biden. Yeah. Okay. Now I have <laughs> so to watch. Fucking funny. Okay. Now I have to watch. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah that's it was great. amazing. But they did. Um, what they were doing was like a Pence press briefing on coronavirus, mm-hmm. and then they just integrated like all the different characters in, and it's so fucking good. Love it. So good. John Mulaney. Any episode he does is incredible. Mm-hmm. Cicely Tyson was in Sounder in 1972, the autobiography of Miss Jane Pittman. But she was also, uh, in 2011, she was Constantine Jefferson in The Help. 
Hmm. Which cool. is a wonderful movie. That is such a good movie if you've never seen it's it. Really, seen it. Oh, you should totally see it. Yeah, I need to. It's yeah. really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really good. Okay. Uh, so, March 15th is the next debate in Phoenix, ahead of the March 17th Irish primaries, which includes Arizona, Florida, Illinois, and Ohio. Uh, But in just four days, March 10th, we have another round of primaries ahead of the Phoenix debate. And that includes Michigan, Mississippi, Missouri, North Dakota, and Washington. Decent amount of states. Georgia is March 24th and Puerto Rico is March 29th. So, of course, we'll tell you everything that happens as it happens and who wins and who doesn't. And you can follow us on Twitter at Daily Beans Pod and at Muller She Wrote for for constant updates. Uh, We'll be right back with the incredible content of the latest BuzzFeed FOIA Muller memo dump. So stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG, and today's episode of The Daily Beans is brought to you by American Home Shield. Uh, I have had American Home Shield for years now, and the reason is, is because stuff around the house always breaks down, whether it's your washer-dryer or your refrigerator. Uh, My refrigerator motor gave out the other day, and I have no idea, even though I was a nuclear reactor mechanic, how to fix a refrigerator motor. So I called AHS because I have AHS. And they, you know, I don't want to mess with it, and I don't want to go broke trying to get it fixed. So they help cover the cost and take care of repairs when something breaks down. And if they can't fix it, they'll replace it or find another solution for you. They're the largest provider, and they've paid more in-home warranty claims than any other company, over $2 billion in the past five years. Uh, so with America's Most Preferred Home Warranty, they have 1.8 million customers. AHS offers coverage for up to 21 home systems and appliances, plus unlimited electronics coverage for tablets, flat screens, TVs, and more. AHS has a nationwide network of about 15,000 licensed professional contractors, so they will find the right pro who is awesome and courteous and professional in your area to fix your problem. You don't have to have an inspection. You don't have to have proof of maintenance. And it's available no matter how old your refrigerator is. So thank the Lord for that because mine was really old. And appliances, um, they have plans and pricing to fit every budget for all of your appliances and systems. So it seems like everything is constantly breaking down in my house. Like I said, just got my fridge fixed, went to AHS, and they took care of it for me fast courteous professional friendly and at a really really incredible price so go to ahs.com slash daily beans today and save 50 dollars and start protecting your home and budget from inevitable breakdowns that's ahs.com slash daily beans ahs.com slash daily beans for 50 dollars off any plan american home shield be sure with the shield limitations and exclusions apply see plan for details okay so this is my favorite part of the show because it has to do with Mueller. Um, I'm still a Mueller junkie. I don't know about y'all, but uh, we got another dump right from the BuzzFeed mm-hmm. FOIA situation. Yep. yep. Tell us what's happening. Okay, so this dump happened on Monday. We just haven't had the time to cover it because it's a long one. Uh, so Justice Department dropped 600 pages of notes from a bunch of FBI 302s. This included at 302s from Jared Kushner, Rick Gates, Manafort, and Rob Goldstone. Goldstone. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stuff that came out. A lot of stuff. So I'm just going to go over some highlights. Uh, First off... I'm excited for the Kushner stuff. Oh, yeah. That's what I'm starting with. So, you know, the Kushner memos that we've been waiting on, they've been saying that they needed to have an intelligence community official go over them and redact them appropriately. We finally got those. This is when he talked to special counsel April 11th, 2018, but it is still incredibly redacted. (laughs) So... That's a bummer, obviously. Not a surprising bummer, though. No, no. Definitely a non-surprising bummer. Yes, non-surprising. So there's a lot of stuff that they talked about. Uh, They talked about his interactions with the Russians, including Kislyak. And they talked about how Kislyak told him at a reception, we like what your candidate is saying. And then he talks about how they later went on to talk about using the Russian embassy to communicate. He also talked about Abu Dhabi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Zayed al-Nayan. Is that how you say his name? I believe so. I think okay, you got thank it. you. And uh, other connections to the UAE. They asked him about Comey being fired. They asked him about Trump Tower meeting uh, June 2016. He also told Mueller that about the bag of dirt that he was given by a Russian state-owned bank chairman. I remember that. That was supposed to represent the town, his hometown in Belarus, where his family was born. Bag of dirt. From. Yes, exactly. <laughs> a very ceremonial offering, it seems. Yeah, that was the gift. Uh totally against the emoluments clause by the way that dirt has value i know it right or an (laughs) in-kind campaign contribution (laughs) sorts Um, here's the dirt on hillary you wanted hey uh, if he did not deliver it with that kill line then he's a (laughs) fucking idiot (laughs) but no it had to be his hometown 
some <laughs> sentimental that shit. That might have been it. It might have been like, you want dirt? I have dirt. I have dirt. <laughs> I have Belarus dirt. <laughs> um, Belarus, fun fact, is Nastya Rybka's home, right? Yeah, that's where she ended up going mm. after a brief violent stop in Moscow where she was pulled off of the train after getting uh, released from the Thai prison. God, that was so <laughs> crazy when all that was going down. Oh my gosh, that was nuts. Her like partner or whatever was talking on through Twitter, like Instagram, providing updates about her and her situation. Fucking crazy. Yeah, those were the simpler times. They kind of were, weren't they? Um, so, like I said, very redacted. None of the reasons for redaction, though, looked like they were for protection of national security matters or intelligence. Most of the chunks that are blacked out all seem to be a result of the administration saying that there's, you know, attorney-client privilege there or deliberative process as as the re- or wait administration's deliberative process. So yeah, coming directly from the executive branch, basically, not anything that relates to any ongoing court matters. Uh huh. Per se, uh, we also learned a lot from Gates. A lot of stuff came out in this that is pretty insane so gates told Mueller and uh Mueller's team that remember when the access hollywood tape came out mm. apparently gates was afraid what was going to come out was a video of trump using the n-word oh so he was surprised to see the access hollywood tape he thought that this tape was going to come out and it's a tape that mark burnett apparently has who created the apprentice yep. and he worked with trump for years. So that means that video exists. And, and I'm sure Mark Burnett destroyed it, though. Yeah, probably. I just, obviously, you don't want to see that video. But the fact that this is something that has been alleged and hasn't been confirmed, really. And the fact that he says, I love black people. I do great things for black people, whatever he gets called out on it. And then because he's been called out on saying horrible slurs and being incredibly racist. Well, Amorosa talked about that mm-hmm. a lot. There's a tape of him saying the N-word. Just got to find it. Mark yep. Burnett has it. Yep. Mm-hmm. And now yeah, so Gates is telling Mueller that that's what he thought it was. So mm-hmm. that's that's a double, yeah, a triple confirmation that mm. that tape at some point existed. Yes. You think Trump is a racist? I'm yeah. Shocked. Yeah. Who would have thought? So um, Gates also talked a lot about Manafort. This stuff's pretty crazy. He suspected apparently that Manafort was trying to rebuild his clientele base in Ukraine and Russia when he was running Trump's campaign. That's what we thought and knew all along. So this is consistent with that. Um, He talks about the dinner that happened at a Havana restaurant in New York, August 2nd, 2016. And this is when Kalimnik told Manafort that Yanukovych wanted him back, basically, and wanted Manafort back to help them run a comeback campaign in Ukraine because he was ousted and self-exiled in Russia. So this is crazy. Mm. This is absolutely crazy. All of it's being confirmed, right? That he was just trying to get more leads on getting himself back into business with these Ukrainian and Russian oligarchs. But all of this stuff confirms that in very explicit detail. So it's pretty crazy. Yeah. And that Kalimnik meeting at the Havana Cigar Place in 666 Fifth Avenue, by the way, mm. it's in the double building. Um, that was uh, when Kalimnik was there. We had actually gotten news from some of our sources that the, the private jet uh, was there, and that's when the polling data exchanged hands. Mm-hmm. And the next day is when they all met with Joel Zamel from Psy Group mm-hmm. uh, to talk about uh, their psychographic targeting mm-hmm. and social media and social media mm-hmm. uh, campaigns. Yep. Yeah. This is all. There it, was so MBS much... was there in, via Nader, mm-hmm. his proxy George Nader. Yeah. So much shit. So much coordination and offers of building bridges back channels of communication so much shit yeah in that basically mbs and mbz were willing to pay for the psi group mossad psychographics operation which was uh, they decided going to be two million dollars and then of course right after trump won the election george nader received no paid zaml two million dollars in cryptocurrency which mm-hmm. is how they're shifting it all around mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If you never listened to Mueller, Mueller, she wrote, they're good to go back on. Yes, definitely. Um, And then just continuing on with Manafort's goal of getting business back in Ukraine and going back to those that polling data that was exchanged. Gates uh, in the memos pretty much says that Manafort asked him to share the poll so that he could, quote, get money out of Ukraine and quote, in the future. 
So that's incredibly explicit. He's literally exchanging polling info with another country for his own job hunt, essentially, because he's irrelevant and incredibly in debt. And he was trying to leverage as much as he could about this campaign and presidency for his own personal benefit, which makes it so strange to me that Trump has decided to, like, stand behind him because it seems like it would have been so easy to push him off and just say, the same thing that Trump says about a lot of other people like Cohen, which is that he was just looking out for himself and just looking out for his own. And well, Manafort and Gates owed Oleg Deripaska, who Kalimnik was, you know, the go-between for, mm-hmm. like $20 million. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just some, some more stuff. So we also learned that Manafort secured a meeting with Fidel Castro's son in Cuba in 2017. He ha- he wanted to play a large role in setting up that connection between the Trump administration and Cuba, and he had some help setting up that meeting, but he says that he never followed up with anybody on that meeting, basically. Well, somebody tell Bernie <laughs> so that he can use that against Trump. Right. That was my first thought when I read that, too. <laughs> like, oh, really? You're going to come at me for, like, Castro's literacy program, and yeah. here you are with fucking setting up a back channel yeah. to Fidel? Well, when you think about it, it, we have this line of communication that's more or less been shut off for so long. Obama opens it up again. Mm -hmm. So Manafort's thinking, perfect. Trade rule. You know, I can go and insert myself and my friends into this new money. Yeah, exactly. This new relationship Mm -hmm. that inevitably can be very profitable. So he -hmm. tried to do that. Uh, Manafort actually sent an email to KT McFarland on January 15th, 2017, entitled Get Together. (laughs) He was asking for a meeting said that he had important information for McFarland regarding Cuba. So there's a paper trail of that as well. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, so that's crazy. And Mueller... Fucking hypocrites, man. I know. I know. It's crazy. Um, Mueller wrote in the report that the Trump campaign planned a press strategy, a communications campaign, and messaging campaign as they expected WikiLeaks to release damage inf- damaging information about the Clinton campaign from the DNC hack. Uh, that's direct reporting from CNN. So um, this is like just the their, their coordinated response essentially to the news that the DNC was hacked. That's just proof that they were anticipating it and planning on manipulating how that went out to their base and the press in general. Um, there's so much stuff in here. I could go on forever. Clovis, Sam Clovis, there's some good stuff in there. He was an Iowa political political operative who had an early role in the Trump campaign, but he he said that he was overseeing Carter Page and George Papadopoulos when he was trying to like create a foreign policy team, and he said that it was like herding cats, quote unquote, mm. trying to oversee them. And he said that Papadopoulos had too big of a mouth and said in an October 2017 interview that he told Papadop to shut up and stop talking to the British press. So that's just direct evidence of Papadop sucking. So glad he did not do well uh, on Super Tuesday in his race. Clovis also said that Papadop was the only guy on the foreign policy team who continuously encouraged the campaign to have meetings with Russia. Man, there is so much yeah. juiciness. Yeah, a lot of juiciness. Uh, it's in very, memos. yeah, it's sweet to read. Yeah, and if you get a chance to read them, we're going to go over them uh, mm-hmm. in a little more in depth. I'm going to do it, have it, uh, it's probably going to be my hot note or a, a segment in uh, Muller She Wrote this Sunday. It comes out at 6.30 PST. You don't want to miss it. It's so much Muller juice. We'll dive into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's Take a, a lot. juicy Muller bath. It's like a, it's just a lot of really good stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's, you couldn't write it. Like, if you want to write a script, just go and grab any one of these 302s and fucking make a movie. Yeah. It's mostly damaging to Manafort, I feel. Like, it's much worse for Manafort than it is for um, Rick Gates, obviously, who really just consistently comes out of these reports as the cooperating witness that he was. So just someone that's giving all of this really juicy details that corroborates a lot of things that were suspected for a very long time. So Yeah, so when we hear Amy Berman Jackson talk about the extensive assistance given by Rick Gates and his immense cooperation, substantive cooperation, it's this is the stuff. kind of stuff that she's talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, we will be right back. Uh, I've got a couple other news stories. And then, in of course, in the final block, we have some really good news, something about Bill Barr uh, getting uh, his ass handed to him by a judge about his redactions. So stick around for that. We'll be right back. 
Hey everybody, it's AG, and this portion of Daily Beans is brought to you by Ritual. We all want to do the right thing to keep our bodies healthy in the long run, but even if we try really hard to eat as healthy as we can and, you know, try to just limit the, you know, processed foods that come into our body, uh, you know, we're most likely not getting all the essential nutrients we need on a daily basis. Enter Ritual. This is the obsessively researched vitamin for women. Ritual's essentials have the nutrients most of us don't get enough of from food, all in their clean, absorbable forms. No shady additives, no shady ingredients, um, nothing that can do more harm to your body than good. So two easy-to-take capsules provide nine nutrients you need to support a strong foundation for your health. Uh, I just started taking Ritual a few months ago. I already feel more energy and clarity. Uh, I'm able to get up in the morning more refreshed and sleep more through the night. Uh, I mentally feel good knowing that I'm actually getting all the vitamins my body needs. Um, Ritual's Essential for Women is the ultimate multivitamin to help fill in the gaps in a woman's diet from D3 to omega-3s. Their no-nausea capsule design is gentle on an empty stomach, and there's a mint tab in every bottle to keep things fresh, so you don't get that fishy aftertaste common with a lot of omega-3 vitamins. Ritual uses vegan-friendly, sugar-free, non-GMO, gluten-free, allergen-free ingredients, and it's delivered directly to you, and a subscription is easy to start and easy to snooze. It's only a dollar a day to have all the essential nutrients your body needs delivered every month, no strings attached. Better health doesn't happen overnight, and right now Ritual is offering offering our listeners 10% off your first three months, so fill in the gap in your diet with Essential for Women by Ritual, a small step that helps support a healthy foundation for your body. Visit ritual.com slash daily beans to start your ritual today. That's 10% off your first three months at ritual.com slash daily beans. All right. So welcome back. I've got a couple other news stories here. Obviously, uh, we have a coronavirus update. The number of coronavirus cases in the U.S. is rising by the minute now. I can't give you an accurate count, but I know we're over 200 right now with 11 deaths. Uh, and there's a cruise ship being held off the coast of San Francisco after one of the passengers died from the coronavirus. And the Coast Guard is delivering test kits to the ship by helicopter. Wow. Um, some other things that are going on around um, the coronavirus is JetBlue and United are cutting back on most of their domestic flights. And the virus um, could cost the airline industry an estimated $113 billion in the upcoming year. Wow. United has cut 10% of its domestic flights in April and 20% of its international flights. JetBlue is cutting 5% of its flights in the near term, so that's like all one of their flights. And Lufthansa (laughs) cut 7,100 flights in March alone. And spring tends to jumpstart the conference season, right? South by Southwest is in a week. Mm -hmm. And there's major companies, including Twitter and Facebook, that aren't going to attend. And Mm -hmm. I'm surprised they're still having South by Southwest, Yeah, uh, but maybe because it's only a week away. Um, but the travel and tourism industry is taking a massive hit globally. Mm-hmm. Um, so is business. Amazon workers in Seattle are being told to work from home. I don't know how you work for Amazon from home. Facebook I guess and Google the, too in Seattle, the not just Amazon. Persons, mm-hmm. um, yeah, work from home. Facebook and Google as mm-hmm. well. And the Dow is down another thousand points today, despite the half point emergency Fed rate cut made by Jerome Powell this week. Uh, but the core feeling in the market, at least according to experts on Wall Street, is that everyone's afraid. It's mm-hmm. un- it's un- it's uncertainty, mm-hmm. and this is kind of how everybody felt when the when Trump took away the mandate for healthcare. The healthcare industry, mm-hmm. their stocks tanked because not because they didn't think they were going to make more money, but because everyone was uncertain was with what was going to happen next. That uncertainty is what makes the markets so volatile. I mm-hmm. think this pandemic is like honestly, you couldn't ask for. Um, you couldn't ask for uh, not a better time, but like this is this is just a strong case for Medicare for all. I mean, the fact that this is happening during an election season, it's really um, considering it. Like I said before on the show, other countries which have healthcare, which are just handing out the kits for free. I mean, okay, here's an example in New York. Um, Governor Cuomo is actually announcing a lot of really good shit around managing coronavirus, like asking employers to give their to give their um, sick employees paid time off, um, saying that asking the insurance companies to waive the fees associated with getting the coronavirus testing. But if you don't have insurance, it, it, it you, you don't like it's great that they're waiving the copays, but if you don't have insurance, you can't go get tested. You know what I mean? So not having not having a universal health care system is making all of this so much harder to manage because yes. people just can't get tested. Yes. And so there's vote blue. Yeah. It's such a strong case for Medicare for all. 
mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. not being able to get tested for this sort of thing and not being able to give out kits for free and mm-hmm. not having this sort of like mobilized public health strategy is, yes. Yeah. And they are saying Medicare if, you, if you're <laughs> a young person, you're having some flu symptoms, don't, if you go into the hospital, first of all, you're going to get sick mm-hmm. and you're going to get other people sick if you have it. Uh, and second of all, they're only going to test the people that have serious, like life-threatening illness mm-hmm. symptoms. So you probably aren't going to get a test. So don't just go to your doctor and see if you can get tested. It's mm-hmm. not going to happen. Um, but in a Fox interview, Trump is telling people, oh, just go to work. It's fine. Oh he actually God. said that. I know. Uh, and then he also said in a Fox interview, he's still downplaying the outbreak. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not a pandemic yet, by the way, technically. Okay. I just wanted to let you know. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like, There's like some number science yeah. attached to that. And I, I honestly don't know what it is, but... I don't think they've called it that yet. Um, but he's still down downplaying the outbreak, saying, quote, I think that the 3.4% number, which is the fatality rate, mm-hmm. is a really false number. Now, that's just my hunch. Mm-hmm. And based on a lot of conversations with a lot of people that do this, because a lot of people will have this, and it's very mild, personally, I would say the number is way under 1%. He then tweeted, with approximately 100,000 coronavirus cases worldwide and 3,280 deaths, the U.S., because of quick action on closing our borders, has uh, of now only 129 cases, wrong, and 11 mm-hmm. deaths, true. We are working hard to keep these numbers as low as possible. Yeah, I listened to him make that statement about, I have a hunch. It's so painful. <laughs> He's basically just like, well, a lot of people have, and it's really mild, so the number is going to be way lower. It's, just, it's not that bad. It's like... Thanks for our quick action closing our borders, <sighs> nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Fuck you. Yeah, I know. Anything he can use to prop up his racist bullshit. Yeah. Know, as soon as I heard that one person got it in, after a trip to Mexico, I was like, all right, here we go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a caravan approaching soon, and they mm-hmm. all have coronavirus. Yep. Watch. Mm-hmm. Yep. Watch this space. Watch watch this coronavirus. Watch this racist space. <laughs> watch this racist space. Uh, the $8.3 billion fu- funding bill passed the Senate. Mm-hmm. 96 to 1. Rand Paul voted against it. For what reason? (laughs) Because he's a fucking asshole. He doesn't (laughs) want to spend money on anything. Yeah. He's like, oh, the deficit's too high. That's hilarious. But he passed the tax cuts. That's so funny. Yeah, okay, buddy. Oh, God. I wonder if anyone in D.C. is going to get sick. Oh, yeah. Isn't that interesting? Wouldn't that be ironic? Did you see the smug Matt Gates photo going around Twitter? Yeah. Reading the coronavirus stuff in in Congress, and he's got a full-on gas mask on to try to insinuate that we're, like, overblowing the scariness of it. What a fucking child. Fucking join theater. Get out of Congress. (laughs) You got a strong job. Do some community theater instead. He wants to dance so badly. (laughs) He'll be on Dancing with the Stars soon enough. As soon as he loses his fucking congressional seat. (laughs) He'll be on Dancing with the Stars. I don't know how red his district in Florida is, but flip that shit, Florida. Can you imagine if he runs for president one day, there's going to be like smoke bombs and he's just going to appear on the podium every time. (laughs) Just the the most like intensely visually stimulating. Oh, God. Milkshakes everywhere. Glitter bombs. Milkshake bombs. However, uh, we've also learned that Trump will not meet his proposed timeline for having a million test kits available by the end of the week. According to senators who were just briefed by health officials, Senator Rick Scott, Republican, said, well, guess there won't be a million people to get a test by the end of the week. It's way smaller than that. And still, at this point, it's still through public health departments. Uh, Democratic Senator Tim Kaine said they were given a document with information about the virus and how to avoid contracting it, but no details and no data and no information on who was tested. So basically, Mike Pence handed him a little pamphlet about how to not touch your face. Um, And so that's what's going on with the coronavirus today. We'll keep you updated. Yeah, one more thing that just dropped. California, I mentioned that New York was um, asking insurance companies to eliminate copays and deductibles for coronavirus testing. California is doing the same thing. Gavin Newsom has, um, uh, Gavin Newsom and Ricardo Lara, who is the insurance commissioner for California, um, have directed health insurance companies to eliminate copays and deductibles for COVID-19 testing. Fuck yeah. Cool. Yeah. God, and we have I a budget love surplus. California. Jesus Christ. And we mm-hmm. have a, we have a, a nice budget surplus mm-hmm. because we control everything democratically. Hmm. <laughs> You Not can like, be like us, yeah. everyone else. Remember Blackburn in Kansas or Black whatever his name was? So mm. Some governor in Kansas was like, we're going to be the testing ground for all Republican people. And they they cut taxes and they fucking uh, and jobs now tanked it's and, and it's shit and they have no money and they're broke as fuck. Nice. Mm. And that's why in 2018, so much went blue in Kansas, including their governor. Mm-hmm. Nice. Uh, and Facebook has taken down some extremely deceptive Trump ads about the census after first allowing them to stay up. 
According to the Washington Post, the Trump ads urged Facebook users to take the official 2020 congressional district census today. But despite the look and language of the ad, they were not related to the once-a-decade national count of U.S. citizens happening this year. Instead, if you click on it, it links to a survey on the certified website of President Donald J. Trump, which collects information and requests a donation. Oh, my God. Facebook initially allowed the ads to run, saying they were clearly not the real census. But hours after Pelosi sharp Pelosi, Pelosi sharply <laughs> criticized the ads in a press conference, you know, saying, this is bullshit. I can't believe you're fucking letting this happen, Facebook. Once she said that, hours later, um, Facebook reversed its position, saying the ads actually do violate their policy. And their policy is they can't, you can't have an ad misrepresenting mm-hmm. dates, location, times, and methods for census participation. So Facebook has an actual fucking rule to prevent people from trying to trick you with the census and decided that that Trump's ads didn't violate that policy at first. They have a whole Jesus policy Christ. about the census. And I'd love to see who was targeted in those ads, too. Oh, yeah, that'd be interesting, too. Huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Probably people that they want to not take the census. Yeah, I hmm, wonder who that is. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we could ask Hoffler. Mm. He probably knows. <laughs> mm-hmm. And according to a tranche of receipts and documents released by the Secret Service, Trump's personal business charged the Secret Service 157000 more dollars than was previously known, billing us, the taxpayer, for rooms at Trump clubs uh, at rates that far exceed what his company claimed. Wow. So the Washington Post stuff? Yep. Nice. Um, the watchdog group Public Citizen has spent three years battling the Secret Service to get the records, and now they've got some of them. This is in addition to the already, what we knew, which is $628,000 already reported by the Washington Post since he took office in 2017. The full scope of all the money spent is still unknown because the publicly available records are mostly from 2017 and 2018, and there are huge gaps in the information. Eric Trump told uh, Yahoo Finance last year, if my father travels, they stay at our properties for free, meaning like the cost of housekeeping. We charge them like 50 bucks. But the new receipts from Mar-a-Lago and Bedminster show rooms being sold to the Secret Service for around $400 to $650 a night. And one time a bungalow, as you've talked about before, was rented for $17,000 a month. A spokeswoman for the Secret Service said, In the execution of our protective mission, the Secret Service balances operations security with judicious allocation of resources. Okay, Brenda. Um, So they're fucking spending more money than we thought, and we still don't even have like a tenth of probably the receipts. And of course, we know Steve Mnuchin doesn't want to put out a report for Secret Service expenditures until after the election. Oh, convenient. Oh, nice. Thanks, Steve. (laughs) Hope Elizabeth Warren has your job one day, fuckface. God, please. (sighs) Okay. That'd be amazing. We do have a lot of good news. This has been a very uh, angsty news hour. So we do have a lot of good news. We'll be right back with that. And you don't want to miss it because it's really amazing. Stay with us. Hey, everybody, it's AG, and I want to tell you about the amazing new service I found called FrameBridge. I have tons of art unframed and photos unframed laying around my house, but FrameBridge made it incredibly easy and affordable to custom frame my favorite things, from art prints and posters to travel photos sitting around in your iPhone. Uh, I had FrameBridge frame portraits of the pod cat and the pod dog that I had painted in, like, those army coats, you know, the like the general suits. They're so amazing. But I've had them forever. I had a p- painting of Mitch Hedberg that one of our fans did for us and I it was never framed and so I was able to do this with FrameBridge. So here's how it works. You go to framebridge.com, upload your photo, or they'll send you packaging to safely mail in your physical pieces. You preview your item online with dozens of frames and styles and then choose your favorite or you can get free recommendations from their designers. And the experts at FrameBridge will custom frame your item and deliver your finished pro- product directly to your door, ready to hang. So instead of the hundreds that you'd pay at a framing store, their prices start at $39 and all shipping is free. Plus our listeners will get 15 percent off their first order at framebridge.com when they use our code dailybeans get started today frame your photos or send someone the perfect gift go to framebridge.com and use promo code dailybeans to save an additional 15 percent off your first order just go to framebridge.com promo code dailybeans that's framebridge.com and use promo code dailybeans you'll be glad you did All right, so here's some good news. A new poll out in Maine shows that Sarah Gideon now leads Susan Collins for her Maine Senate seat by four points. Just a couple weeks ago, it was a one-point lead. So she is widening that gap. So let's keep that trend going. Sarah, S-A-R-A, Gideon, G-I-D-E-O-N. Check her out. She's Mm -hmm. great. Also, Tedra Cobb. Yep. Running against Stefana, great. Yep. There's a couple other places, too. Mark Kelly is leading Martha McSally, mm-hmm. yes. 47 to 42 in the Arizona Senate race. Yes. 
This was going to be part of the thing I was going to talk about. Um, Cal Cunningham is leading Tom Tillis in the North Carolina Senate <gasps> race. I hate Tom Tillis. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, the, in Colorado, John Hickenlooper is leading Cory Gardner. Excellent. Yes. Very I hate cool. Cory Gardner. Yeah. Cory. We actually. I have a lot of hate in my heart. <laughs> we we got an kind, anonymous message him. about um, Cory Gardner um, and, a, and a Latina, a rad Latina woman who's, who's also running for that seat. Um, her name is Lorena Garcia. What was her name? Lorena Garcia. Awesome. Yeah. We got an anonymous message said, tomorrow I'm going to volunteer for training for Lorena Garcia, who is looking to be the Democratic candidate to go against U.S. Senator uh, for Colorado, Cory Gardner. And uh, so she's, I think she's also running for the same seat that John Hickenlooper is. But ah. yeah, she seems pretty rad. Awesome. I don't know if Tedra Cobb, sorry, just jumping back to what I said. I don't know if she's leading right now. Um, just wanted to correct that if it seemed like I said she was leading. She's still awesome. Uh, should... Stefanik's chances of winning are eight and nine. Oh, well, it's a super <laughs> red. Is it a super red? Yeah. Yeah. One in nine chance the Democrat wins. Ruby red. Man, ain't that a bitch? Well, you know, Trump may not have learned his lesson, but Susan Collins sure did. Yeah. Well, she's very concerned. <laughs> uh, and a federal judge today says Tulsi Gabbard can't sue Google for bias. When uh, when they suspended her political ads briefly last year, she filed a lawsuit saying Google uh, was biased against her. And the judge said, no, Google isn't a government entity bound by the First Amendment. Take a seat. District Judge Stephen Wilson said that Gabbard failed to show that Google's decision uh, was in any way equivalent to a government regulation of an election. Interesting. She goes, they don't make primaries. They don't have debates. They don't select candidates. Too bad. Interesting. Hmm. And, and this is what I was talking about a little bit mm. earlier, and this isn't kind of ties into Jordan's Mueller memo dump. Mm -hmm. Judge Reggie Walton, right? He's the Bush appointee who's been angry at the Department of Justice's redactions to the Mueller report and presiding over a pair of FOIA cases brought by BuzzFeed's Jason Leopold and the nonprofit called the Electric Privacy Information Center. That sounds like a band. Yeah, it does. Oh, electronic, <laughs> not electric. Electric. What did you say? Electric Privacy Information Center? <laughs> Electric Privacy Information, Information Center. Center. Yes. <laughs> I don't know, I just made that up. It, it sounds like a mm, mm, yeah. imagine it in a roller rink with neon lights everywhere. The electric I privacy. should not quit my day job. Yeah, wow. like wow. the string cheese experiment or something. <laughs> um, so this buzz, this buzz, this, this, <laughs> this judge gave the Department of Justice until March 30th to hand over the full unredacted Mueller report to the Holy court. Holy shit. The inconsistencies, here's the judge, the inconsistencies between Attorney General Barr's statements made at a time when the public did not have access to the redacted version of the Mueller report to assess the veracity of his statements and portions of the redacted version of the Mueller report that conflict with those statements caused the court to seriously question whether Attorney General Barr made a calculated attempt to influence public discourse about the Mueller report in favor of President Trump despite certain findings in the redacted version of the Mueller report to the contrary. That he's saying that there are there's redacted shit in the Mueller report that's that contradicts what Barr said, mm -hmm. and that's really interesting because we what we knew from the from the stuff we could read from the Mueller report it contradicted what Barr said. He is saying that there are now findings under the redaction bars that contradict what Barr says. Findings. Yeah. That's like a straight up call out. Mm -hmm. And he says these circumstances generally and Attorney General Barr's lack of candor specifically call into question Attorney General Barr's credibility. Ooh, I hope in one universe McCabe can indict Barr for lack of candor. Mm. That'd be so sweet. He's not a prosecutor, though. Yes, he could do it for 1001. <laughs> he, yeah. Yeah. But he could be. He could be the attorney general. He could. He could fucking do whatever the hell he wants. Become an attorney and sue William Barr. God. You can make him the director of the FBI. <laughs> That wouldn't piss off half the country or anything. Yeah. Anyways, right. that is um, fucking awesome. Isn't it? Now, it'll be appealed. Right. Don't get all excited. <laughs> it'll be appealed, and it'll go up probably to SCOTUS. But, uh, and <clears throat> I don't think we're going to get these actual, you know, this wouldn't be to the public anyway. But this is amazing that the, just that what the judge said, qu calling into question General Barr's credibility. That gives Congress ammo to go after Barr. Mm-hmm. All right, time for a little schadenfreude. schadenfreude. This is delicious. Harvey Weinstein is being moved. Weinstein. Weinstein is being moved from Bellevue back to Rikers ahead of his sentencing next week on rape and sex act convictions. He will be placed in protective custody with round-the-clock supervision and medical supervision. 
Weinstein and his team had pushed really hard to be allowed to stay at Bellevue until the sentencing because of his health concerns. And uh, although he was apparently also very lonely and sad at Bellevue, just staring at the walls. But officials say, no, there's nothing wrong with you, bro. You're going to Rikers. See you there. So that's where he's headed. Dude. Fuck yeah. (sighs) Wow. What a fall from grace. I don't know if he was ever. Yeah, I was like, when was, was he, he ever in Grace? I don't, I don't I mean, know. If it's a fall from who's Grace? Grace. He was powerful. From... Yeah, he yeah. once had a lot of power. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah. The, the the more powerful they are, the harder they fall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The taller they are, the yeah something timber. He's going to fucking Rikers. Yep. I'm excited. Yep. Dun, dun. Dude, piece of shit. Actually, that's <laughs> just <laughs> Law and Order. Yeah, Law and Order. They sing, sing in Rikers. Yeah. Oh yeah. All right, that's the good news. Are there any like one specific good news story that you really, really loved that you want to share? Yeah, let's see here. Because we get a bunch, and we'll just keep reading them. As, yeah, you as... know what? Here's one that's really relevant to what we were talking about today. Another uh, uh, Warren thing. Just because people like Bernie and Warren, um, it, because people like Bernie and Warren have pushed the Overton window further left, even Biden's platform will by far be the most progressive pe- presidential platform to date. Mm-hmm. That's what I've been saying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What I've been yep. saying, you yep. don't have to hold your nose to hold to vote for Joe. If mm-hmm. I mean, if that's where we end up, you know, having to be, yeah, because he even has a medical Medicare for all now. Oh, two more super quick ones. This is uh, from Andrew Top. He said, for the first time since August 2019, all the fires in New South Wales and Australia are out. Oh, sweet, fuck yeah. And then this last really quick one from one of our patrons, Ellen McNamara. She said, I got a promotion and a raise last October. Since then, I have donated to to Democrats running to unseat Republicans. I have adopted four Democrats, and I send them money every two weeks when I get paid. The Senate is just as important. Don't forget. Hashtag flip the fucking Senate. I love it. I've adopted. It Mm -hmm. sounds like one of those, in the arms of the angels, and there's like a congressman (laughs) in a cage, like shaking. Help me. (laughs) Look at these neglected congress people. They need your love and support. Okay. But seriously, an ad like those ads for Democrats running for Senate, like with Sarah McLaughlin in the background, would be so good. That'd be very funny. Yeah. And that's a good way, I feel, to get young people to donate money, too, just because all comedy's in right now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Interesting fact, Sarah McLaughlin's from my hometown. Oh, no wonder she's so hot. (laughs) Exactly. Freaking Canadians. Canadians are beautiful. Was that on mic where we talk about how hot Canadians are on mic? No, that was on mic. Here we are. Talking about how Canadians are hot. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. So hot. Um, Ellen Page, also from my hometown. Oh, so sick. It's not a very big city either, but... That's cool. Lots of talent. All right, everybody. If you're a patron, uh, we're going to leave what just happened uh, in the show. Uh, If not, I just have to say to you, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health. I've been A.G. I've been Jordan Coburn. I've been Amanda Reeder. And them's the beans. (laughs) The Daily Beans is executive produced and directed by A.G. and Jordan Coburn and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazel and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager, executive assistant, production and social media direction is Amanda Reeder. Fact-checking and research by A.G., Jordan Coburn, and Amanda Reeder. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com. <laughs>